in a world that has more than enough information and noise. Is it even possible to truly anchor ourselves and have peace in a scattered world? Hi, this is Pamela and Mary, and we are a mother-daughter team who span two generations but share one message. We will delve into what it looks like to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit, and will bring encouragement and hope all along the way. We get it. Life is hard. And let's be real. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it on some days. But we want you to know that you're not alone. And not only that, we are here to come alongside you and cheer you on as you walk out your individual storyline. So join us as we journey together and laugh, cry, and everything in between. Welcome to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey, Ma. Hey, Mary. How's it going today? It's going well. Uh, There's been a lot of snow days here, so I think I'm finally just starting to get back into the swing of things. And then there'll probably be something else that happens. So I I, I always say that. I'm like, okay, finally, there's like a rhythm and and then something else will happen, of course. So I just, I don't know. I just have to lay down all expectations of anything normal. Yes. Yeah, those snow days, man, they are, uh, can be a disaster for parents. Yes. It's a happy day for kids. I would say on the other side of my life this week, what's really amazing is that our new second client, we now have two men with us who live with us. He started his program after being here four months. He's been here every single day, all day, like my other clients. So I was ready. And oh my gosh, it was like dropping off my preschooler. This week, it was so lovely. I called you that morning. And anyway, it's just been such a blessing. Yes. It reminded me of when I would call you when I would drop my kids off at preschool on that first morning. And I was like, I'm free. I'm free. Like they're at preschool. And I just, yeah, it was like this amazing feeling. (laughs) It absolutely was. Yes. Today, we are going to be discussing the wonderful, lovely, fuzzy topic of how to love and pray for our enemies. But I I will say, as I was really thinking about what does that mean? What does enemies mean? I feel like I really sat on that for a little while. I'm like, what? What are our enemies? I think even when I hear that or I tell my kids that, like, we need to love our enemies, they're like, okay, like, love our enemy. Our enemy is clearly somebody who is trying to kill us or, I don't know, like the, the murderer <laughs> that just, like, slaughtered all of our children. I, I, and, yeah, that, that 100% could be that. Um, but I was looking up the definition of enemy, and it says, one that is antagonistic to another. And I was like, whoa. Okay, Mm -hmm. that just reframed everything. And then it says to seek to overthrow or to confound an opponent. And I'm like, okay, so on any given day, we could all have a dozen at least enemies. And so reading that, I mean, just completely (laughs) reframed things. So I just want to start by saying that anyone can be your enemy on any given day. And to begin to ask the Lord, Okay, who am I making an enemy today? Yes, because when you just added that definition of someone who mm-hmm. seeks to confound you, all I could think of is that you almost feel like that's what your children are wanting to do to you every day. Yes. Right? That, that's, what, that's what's happening. They're just confounding you at every turn. Since I didn't hear that definition until you just said it. I'm like, oh my goodness, that could leave. And I could certainly feel that way about other people too. So yep. yeah, I do love how we can bring it down to bite-sized pieces as opposed to the kind of threat that an enemy is who mm-hmm. wants to destroy us entirely. 
Right, right. If the definition is one that is antagonistic to another, um, the person that cut you off in yes. Caroline, I mean, right then they can be your enemy. Meaning I'm just like, yeah, I want to injure them. I want them to know I'm annoyed. Like I want to just kind of slam into the back of their car. I don't want to hurt them, but I'm definitely <laughs> feeling antagonistic. <laughs> and, and then I looked up the definition. I'm like, okay, what does antagonistic mean? And it basically, all it says is showing or feeling active opposition or hostility towards someone. And so I'm like, okay, well, then there's a lot of enemies on any given day that aren't that big at the yes. want to destroy you and all of those things. Exactly. So now that we've laid that foundation that anybody can be our enemy, we can be living with our enemy, meaning in our heart, in our heart, we have a heart of opposition towards them. We have an antagonistic heart towards them in that moment for whatever reason. They are feeling like our enemy or we feel like we are so opposing in views. I think of even groups of people. Sometimes we think of enemy as one distinct person, but even groups of people. It can be a political group or a just like a sect of people on the internet or something like a group of people that all have certain belief system that we've made them the enemy, so to speak. We're just like, those people are crazy. And those people just hate my people, meaning they hate my belief system and they're against me. Yes. Therefore, I'm against them. And so groups of people, specific people, anybody can quickly become an enemy and asking the Lord to highlight who in our lives are we making an enemy today or who do we feel like is our enemy is I feel like the first step. That's so good because I think we have what I'm about to say, I think we, I've said before. Yes. But we are very tribal. I just had some women over yesterday. We were talking about the nuances of that in Christianity uh, today specifically. But that's our normal fleshly response. We need our enemies to be kept far from us. So in little tiny tribes and communities forever and ever, we were going to help each other when they came and invaded our little tiny space that had no walls. We didn't have money for that and pick up a stick and a stone and it really helped us defend and stay together and survive. But I think we do that with words today and ideologies and politics and a million other things where, gosh, I have been about as angry as I can get back during COVID reading certain things online that I had to actually go off yep. Facebook. I mean, I'm talking about my emotions were being so elicited that I felt so much anger that I'm like, wow, God, what is this about? And he's like, you can just say, excuse me, and just take that yes. away from your purview. Don't don't look and don't sit in that where the things that it, it was hard for me to think, how could people be that mean to each other? Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like my heart that's being offended. I think in the context today, we really are talking about sort of a known enemy that you kind of recognize causes you to feel or act or think a certain way. But at the same time, the person in front of you just cut you off. You really can pray for them. You really can pray for the level of angst that they're having at that moment and pray that God would visit them. I think it can go from the micro to that kind of person that's just always or group of people that we find ourselves having to check ourselves to dehumanize them so that they're not yes. part of God's creation. Like somehow we're special and they're evil. Yes. And we might not say that consciously, but are we continually going to that place in rumination or thought of like, oh my gosh, how could they think that they're such idiots? They're so stupid. They're so, so ridiculous. Are we constantly just going to that place 
with this person or this groups of people. And that can be a good indicator that, hey, we might be making them our enemies. Exactly. That's that's just a clue in. As we jump into how do we begin to pray for our enemies? I want to start by saying, like, why do we pray for our enemies? I mean, I, I'm sure we could give all the Sunday school reasons why we pray for our enemies. But I, I just want to say, I feel like one of the biggest reasons and biggest results of me praying for my enemy is it changing my own heart. And I feel like it is the best tool that the Lord has given us yes. to give us a heart of love for our enemies or for anybody that we don't see eye to eye with anybody that we're feeling tension and deep angst and hostility towards in that moment is to pray for them. It is the greatest tool that melts our hearts more than anything else. Yeah, I concur with that. I think just thinking and remembering what's true. So I'm always leaning into the foundations in this way. And I think what is true? What is true? What is true in terms of God saying who I was to him? The Bible makes this implication and then sometimes straight out says that God was compelled because God is God for this extraordinary love he gave to me when I was what is enemy. I think what always moves me about this conversation about loving our enemies, praying and loving our enemies, these are the two things we're mandated to do. I think the prayer part, you're absolutely right, I agree with, is the key to beginning to change our hearts. Because in prayer, God can change how we feel and he can point out to us very gently and kindly through his word and through the Spirit of God, that at any moment we can turn on God in a heartbeat. And even when we were completely in rebellion against him, he took that place for us. That's an extraordinary kind of love God has. We can't have that love without him. And I think prayer is a, is the first place of defense and offense to protect our hearts about people we want to, even to the point of having a murderous spirit for someone, because God says that just hating someone is the same thing. Right, right, yeah. It's the same spirit that makes Cain kill his brother Abel. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's that murderous spirit of hate or jealousy or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think like we talk about so much, things not being a formula, we say pray for our enemies. And I think it can become very formulaic of, okay, yeah, I'll pray for them. And it becomes more like Jesus, be with them, help them to repent for their evil ways. (laughs) And uh, help them to see the darkness that they are in. Okay, glad I got that off my chest. And again, like those could be valid prayers, but I'm like, okay, yeah, I prayed and my heart is not melted. If anything, it's more like, yeah, okay, like ready to pick up a spear. Yes. Yes. In the name of God, I will destroy the evil. Yes, absolutely. So I was just kind of asking the Lord, okay, Lord, Mm -hmm. how, how do we begin to get in that posture when we're, when we're praying for our enemies. And is there a way to do this that doesn't immediately go to that? And the first one was the Lord's like, just spending some time, some real intentional time saying, Lord, help me to see them the way that you see them before you even pray for them at all. Ask the Lord, how can I have your heart for them? How can I have compassion for them? Not that I would justify the acts of what they're doing, but that I would be filled with the heart that you see them, that you so want them, you so desire them. And I mean, spend some time really just asking the Lord and pleading with the Lord of like, Lord, fill me with your heart for them. Fill me with love for them. And really just just sit there in a minute. Don't just jump too quick. Just sit there in in that place of just asking the Lord for his heart for them. And then even confess and have a heart of uh, repentance and say, Lord, where I've stood in the place of judgment towards them, Lord, that is your role. And I lay that down. Just really invite the Lord into that space idea of being judge and all that until we really see and I think 
oftentimes we're not going to be able to see without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that came to me in this idea of how do I find an off ramp from this kind of angst that I'm feeling about this person or this group, we can use the word of God sometimes to help us with that, to get off this highway that we're on of all the all the angst and all the anger and all the injustice about this person or this group or whatever it is. And I think one of those off ramps is oftentimes just let's let's just sit with Jesus. He's so relational to us. We can relate to him, even if we can't at times relate to the Father. There's some part of that Trinity of the Godhead that we can relate to. I would say one of the things that came to me when I was thinking about this is how wild that Jesus' disciples said, we like how you pray. You seem to really connect with God because God was still greater to them than Jesus at that moment. They couldn't fully understand. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Pray like this. And I was just really sitting on the Lord's Prayer there for an hour or so one day. And it's just amazing how in the daily kind of coming to God, it just starts with this idea of recognizing God is God and you're not. Therefore, right away, you're like, wow, how could I see? sit myself in the seat of God, which is the judge, it just takes us into this place that God is high and lofty and, and pure and good and recognizing that he is everything and recognizing that his will and desires above all things. There's only so many things you can pray for in like 10 lines of a prayer, but Jesus quickly leads them into this idea of, I'm depending on you, God, for my food, and I'm depending on you, God, today for, oh, what? The only other thing that comes up is forgiveness. I'm trusting that you'll forgive me, God. This is a short prayer. There's so many things right. that Jesus could have said, pray like me. And right after that you forgive me, God, that you would forgive me, that I would release all the people who have a debt against me, that I'm going to forgive them. It's really monumental that Jesus, who connects us with the Father, is basically saying, just know that you depend on me for everything and know that you can wash yourself every day for how you sinned against me. And regarding you sinning against man with your hatred, every day you come to me and we're going to wash that. It reminds me of the verse in the epistles. Yeah, you can be angry, but only until the sun goes down, it's got to be gone. So then we would not have all these accumulated offenses with people or groups if we were tending to our own garden every single day in the presence of the Lord. With the smallest and most sincerest of what really this is about is that our heart would connect with the God of the universe to say, God, I need you for everything. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me even again today. And God, help me to forgive those again today. This is of high value to God that we don't put ourselves in a place where we know we're more spiritual, we have more insight, because we're all on a level playing field in front of the God of the universe. Just beginning to recognize that this is another human being and that without God, they will sink or fall. Without God, you will sink or, or fall so that we would begin to develop this kind of attribute of God of compassion yes. and mercy. Yes. Because that's what's keeping us. We're thinking that we're above, we're beyond, we're completely incapable of doing or thinking anything that they, that they over there becoming very tribal, that they do or that they think, I would never, I could never. Yes. And so 
those kinds of thoughts get us out of humility very, very quickly. And now we ourselves in our own despising of whatever we deem as our enemy is antithetical to exactly what God has called us to do to love our enemies in a way that he has loved you yes, and me. This is kind of very foundational stuff. And we say, wow, that's a really developed, high, mature love, which is agape love. And that's God's love. I could never do that. Well, you can never do it in your flesh or in your mind, but by inviting God in to show you who you are, that you are no different than your enemy. And he loves you both the same. This is a super fundamental thing that we would stop giving ourselves a pass for the kind of murderous spirit that we can have for individuals, relatives, as well as whole groups of people. We have to check our hearts at the door when we in any way begin to tap into this idea that it's our right. And so we're really beginning to hate the person, not the evil itself. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, all all of that. And it's this tool of being able to enter the the holy of holies enter the lord's presence and to be able to pray and intercede with god's heart and ask the lord for his heart that can dismantle everything and it is it's it's miraculous it is yes. miraculous and it's something that only he can do so that's why i i think we're saying that these things are so imperative that we look at i was thinking about during 2020 when everybody was doing things in their own houses building whatever i <laughs> building things, doing stuff. Thanks. And uh, yes. yeah. And so I was building my little square foot garden and I was spending so much time trying to get these certain vegetables to get up that were having some troubles. And I was like, oh, like just researching about these certain vegetables and trying to figure out like, why aren't these ones growing? And I was always baffled by these weeds that would just grow up no problem. I'm like, I'm spending so much time and effort and energy trying to grow this vegetable that's like getting these little diseases. But these weeds, you know, they have no problem just growing strong. It was so frustrating. And (laughs) I just felt like the Lord kept saying, just the act of not pulling up the weed is allowing it to grow. And because I'm like, I'm not even doing anything to it. I'm not watering it or doing anything to it. And the Lord's like, yeah, you don't have to do anything to it. It will just grow. If you don't pull it up, it's going to grow. It won't even stay neutral. It doesn't just stay there. And you're like, okay, well, if I'm not going to acknowledge it, at least maybe it'll stay the way it is. And the Lord's like, nope, that's not how it works. If you don't acknowledge it, it will continue to grow. And you're just thinking about this and, and our enemies and maybe people in our life or things in our life that we wouldn't even consider our enemies or we would maybe at first glance be like, I mean, I don't hate them. I just must constantly think about how annoying they are or how annoying the situation is or I'm always venting about it. I would be really cautious and I would be really humble and sober before the Lord to ask him to highlight people in your life that fit that example of what we talked about, what enemies are and ask the Lord okay, do I need to pull up this weed, meaning the antagonistic murderous spirit that you're talking about, mom? And as we said, when you're beginning to do that, the the first go-to isn't just stating before the Lord and standing in that place of judgment. And Lord, this is all the terrible things that they've done. But Lord, humble me. Show me where I'm off. Show me where I've been filled with a hateful spirit and where I haven't been compassionate. First and foremost, God, fill me with a heart of forgiveness and compassion. And then, Lord, fill me with a heart for them. Fill me with your eyes. And then, only then, 
can you begin to shift into, okay, Lord, show me what you want me to even pray for this person or this situation or this group of people. How can I begin to have your eyes to even see clearly to know how to pray for them? Yeah, it's it's really quite amazing how much we can be blinded by things in our own lives, especially today with so many. You can have maybe 500 people. This is just a small number. If you're posting a lot of your opinions about things, but if any of those opinions have anything to do with calling somebody else out, so to speak, you might get 500 likes. You might feel empowered by your opinions. At the end of the day, we stand for an audience of one, which is God himself. And we have to keep reorienting ourselves to this northern space, this compass that, that's leading us onward and upward so that we're not allowing ourselves to make erroneous decisions that what we're thinking is good and it needs to be said because we got 500 people following us yeah. who say that it's good. I think the culture that we're in is so angry. There's a lot of hostility and there's a lot of declarations that I have a right to my opinion, which on paper is true. We, we have an amazing freedom in America that we can believe as we choose and thank God that we still have that. But I think we just have to prompt and prod one another to not go along sometimes with what we're hearing around us, but that raise that standard of biblical Christianity, of the gospel of Jesus, not the gospel of whatever somebody else is saying, because we really do have to check ourselves. I think at the end of the day, what this is all about is God is warning us because we're just loving the people that are lovely and that uh, are really nice to us. We're missing the whole part of God as he has reached out to us. He is saying to us that he in turn wants us to reach out to those around us with the same love, that we would extend that same love even when somebody doesn't like us. We take it pretty personal when people are against us, right? And I think that's one of the things happening today, that if you feel marginalized in any way, and I know a lot of believers do today, like they're losing their voice, they're misunderstood. Well, all I can say to you is that Jesus only had a very small voice at that moment in time, and he was definitely misunderstood. So he says, if you're my disciple, you're going to walk in a similar path. Quite honestly, I think sometimes if I'm not walking in any kind of path like that, and there's no fruit of that happening, I'm probably becoming more of a people pleaser at that moment of my life. Just to check our hearts about what yes. what it looks like to have an enemy who maybe is or is not against you, but did you feel this kind of judgment for them? I think that's what we're defining as our enemy. Right. Yeah. All of the above. All of the above. So I'm going to end with a story, a parable that Jesus told, and he always is telling stories so that we can relate, so that it's not necessarily a teaching. It's a way for us to check our own hearts about ourselves right down to every last individual. In this story, we've heard the story, we refer to it as the Good Samaritan. It starts with a man who's just taking a journey, and on his journey, he gets jumped in and robbed and beaten, left for dead. The story says that he's like half dead. He's dying and he's left on this uh, part of the road. And as this, as he's laying there, a man comes along who's a priest or a preacher, we'll call him. And he's so 
defiled by this person laying in the street that he, because blood, there's blood everywhere. And to the priest, uh, we'll call it the preacher, who we can't be defiled by others because they're so much lesser than us. And he walks around him and goes to the other side of the sidewalk. It continues on. Second guy comes up who's walking along that road. And he is also not a preacher, but he's a teacher of the law. He really is very strict about obeying the law. This person is defiling, that he's bleeding out. And he can't be anywhere near the blood of another person. So they got to protect themselves. And they, too, walk on the other side of the road and leave the man bleeding and dying. A third guy comes along and he sees the man and he has pity on the man. But this man is considered what we would call or what they would call a half-breed. He was of mixed descent. He had two different kinds of nationalities, religious or or race mixed into his blood. Therefore, he's really rejected from the preachers and the teachers of religion. He is a Samaritan. And this Samaritan, who is not religious and not following all the right laws, he is moved with compassion for the man on the sidewalk. And when he walks up, he has such compassion. And he stops his journey. And he gets out cloths and his oil and his wine, and he totally tends to all this man's wounds, even getting his hands dirty with the blood of this, of this person who's dying. He puts the man on his donkey. Now he has to walk, and he walks into town, and he takes him to a hotel. They called it an inn, and he pays for a room for the man. And he goes to the owner, and he says, I have to finish my journey, but I'll come back. Doesn't this sound like some of the stories we hear about the father saying something to us that he'll come back to reward the servant later. But the man said that I'm going to pay and I'm going to give you a little more money for any expenses he may occur. And when I come back, I'll pay you everything I owe you. Reminds me of the stories Jesus tells about the rewards on one day when love that was done for the right motives will be rewarded. I would say that this story represents those people that we might be squinty-eyed to or be afraid of or want to judge in a way that we won't even cross the street to share love with them or a cup of water or a piece of bread or a kindness to a neighbor who may be somebody that we can't relate to in any way for all of our moral and uh, religious beliefs but that we would literally walk on the other side of the street so to speak again this is an analogy and so I was really gripped with this story, and it was such a representation of so many believers that I know in this hour, this hour that is going to be like no other hour, that are choosing that kind of response to people that are different to them in any way. And I would say that the gospel is still in effect today, and that God is calling us to have mercy and compassion and treat our neighbors with kindness and build bridges so that we might be able to influence them with something that maybe they're missing. And that would be the love and the forgiveness of God. So again, let's all be very careful to check our hearts and our motives and our judgments and run them before God because he is kind and merciful. And he is more than happy to realign your heart that you would agree with him and not yourself and not your peers and maybe even not your followers on Facebook. 
that you would begin to really want to know what God desires and that you would give your heart to him even today, even this week. Thanks for listening. And again, we're just so very, very thankful that you're joining us and we bless you today. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And we would love to hear from you. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at pamandmary at amesgirls.com or follow us on Instagram at amesgirls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We would love to hear from you. So we hope you have a lovely week and we look forward to talking with you again next time. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the More Than Enough podcast. We are still busy behind the scenes setting up our website, but for now, if you would like to stay up to date or follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at amesgirls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We know that because we're a newer podcast, one of the best ways for people to find us is through reviews. So if you would take just a few minutes and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to chatting it up again with you next week. Have a lovely week.